five, four, three, two, one. If we have any goals this season? Absolutely. We're going to win a lot of games. We're going to get in the playoffs. Touchdown, Bears! The Bears are what we thought they were. Go Bears! Bears Nation. We have a young football team. We're going to figure out how to finish and how to close games. We'll have a plan for that. There's just something that, that needs to be done, something that needs to be changed, needs to be fixed. We all need to look ourselves in the mirror and figure out how, what we can do to make this team better and ultimately win ball games. I'm tired of hearing, oh, we're getting better. We're going in the right direction, but we keep losing. As players and as a team, we, we want to win. We want to figure it out. Don't lose faith, guys. I don't lose. I win. It's time for the Bears Nation podcast with your hosts, Kevin Lapka and Jake Hassan. Get ready for a lot of fun and excitement. Powered by, powered by, powered by Bet, Bet, Bet Stamp. Strap it in. I know you're going to dig this. It's Bears Nation, baby. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Bears Nation podcast. It is Monday, December 5th, and the Chicago Bears have lost six games in a row while Justin Fields continues to develop and play really well. It's really not losses, I've determined, if you think about it more so as a race for the top of the draft, in which case it's more of a win. So really it's like a six-game winning streak if you think of it that way. So that's how I'm choosing to spin it um, because losses at this point are positive. And when you're missing half your team, Losses like that are going to happen, uh, especially when you play a guy who has owned you, not even quotes, has owned you legitimately for, uh, you know, the last, our lifetime. So that'll happen. It's okay, though. Still a lot of positives to talk about and to take into the buy, especially when you consider that guys can take this to get healthy. So that being said, this is Bears Nation podcast. Kevin Lapka, how are we doing? We're doing good, man. We're doing good. Um, a much needed bye week for the Chicago Bears, for sure. You know, with all the guys going down, I think we all could use a little break from the team, right? You know, they've kind of let us down. There's been a lot of talk about things. Let's let's just take a step away, reevaluate, see how they do in this December stretch, which is very, very tough for them. A stretch in which they have to play the Philadelphia Eagles, arguably the best team in football, the Buffalo Bills, arguably the best team in football, the, best team in football. <laughs> the Lions, who all of a sudden are now favorites at home against the minnesota vikings this week uh that's weird and then of course the vikings week 17 a game that might be irrelevant for them and probably for us as well we'll see uh given the draft positioning but much needed bye week but we're gonna break down bears packers uh and it'll be a good one and we might have some fun stuff for you guys during the bye we'll see but let's break down this game yeah i mean let's do it uh i think the main storyline here is uh it's Justin Fields passing, and we talked about this game coming into it. We were like, all right, how is this going to go? How is that shoulder? And then he breaks off a 50-yard run uh, for a touchdown, and shoulder looks okay. But then stops running, weirdly, for the rest of the game. It was it was very bizarre. Uh, rushed for 70 yards in the first couple drives, and then the running just goes away. And, and he seemed to just really commit to passing, which, is, I mean, is fine. Uh, all good, because, you know, the whispers and the not-so-soft whispers have been well, Justin Fields still can't throw the ball. And obviously the stats kind of back that up if you're just taking them at face value, if you haven't been really watching the games. But the eye test has told you that Justin Fields has gotten better week to week as a passer. This was really the coming out party for that. Uh, had hit one of his best games rating-wise, had a season high in passing yards. Uh, the Bears offense had the most yards since last year in the Pittsburgh game. They cleared 400 yards for the first time all season, which is huge. Justin Fields has a couple really nice deep balls to various receivers, including one jump ball to Nikhil Harry that was fantastic all-around throw and catch. Um, had a wonderful pass to Equinomia St. Brown in the beginning of the game. 
him. Uh, he beat, said is a positive thing, but uh, Justin Fields, Kevin, I mean, really showed his stuff as a passer this time. And really a couple times what really impressed me was in past weeks when you would have seen him scramble for a, a short gain, or maybe it was something that would turn into a big gain, but more often than not turns into probably a two, three yard gain. He was sat and he's like, you know, let me throw this ball. You know, and, you know, Cole Komet's down there somewhere, but then also turned into Nikhil Harry's down there somewhere. Agonomia St. Brown is down there somewhere and he converted on him. I mean, how many times have we seen this season where the throw is just a little bit too far or it's just a little too, you know, up high for the receiver to come down with it or your receivers just aren't good enough to come down with some of these balls that have been thrown up there. And that wasn't the case. Uh, on, on Sunday against the Packers, Nikhil Harry. <laughs> and I said this too. I was talking, I said this to Joe Ostrowski. Nikhil Harry gets on the field for one play a game and he makes a big play and they say, all right, get your ass on the bench. We don't want to see any more from you. And every time, every, every week, the Dallas game catches a touchdown. We don't see him again. This game has one big, big catch, cute, amazing catch. Don't see him for the rest of the game. It's so bizarre, but it's really funny uh, at the same time. But Kevin, Justin Fields, I mean, really showing his stuff as a passer in this game. Yeah, absolutely is, right? Uh, it's good to see him crush the narrative. I mean, we know that he's capable as a passer and more capable than what people think he is. But again, given all the talk about him the past couple of weeks about you have a running back as your quarterback, it was good to see him kind of, you know, crush that narrative. Uh, for sure. And it's almost like he listened to the show because last week we saw what Trevor Simeon did. He probably does. We know he does. I mean, we, we got the OSU connection with myself and Kellen, who's going to be on in just a second. Um, you know, you never know. But we saw Trevor Simeon throw the ball down the field, chase Claypool a couple of times. And we said, you know what? Justin needs to adopt that effort. My guys down there somewhere, especially when you do have guys in the roster now who are capable of making plays like that for you, like Chase Claypool and like Nikhil Harry. And he did that. He did that twice. Now, he beat, now Nikhil Harry, like, beat Jair Alexander on a route. It was, like, sort of a stop and go. I think Justin might have got Alexander on a pump because I actually ended up seeing, like, the end zone view of this. And he, he pump faked Alexander bit. Tried to jump the route and Harry, and then Harry got behind him. And Alexander's just talented enough to catch up to it and still make it a contested catch. Um, but just this idea of, hey, let's go downfield more. And we talked about what that's going to do for the passing yardage total, right? 254 total yards, 20 for 25. Like, though, that's how you get those numbers. That's how you get booster. I thought we, I thought maybe there was a chance he would get that first 300 yard passing performance of his career. Got close, but you're going to get close because of 40 plus 50 plus yard plays and that played in the kill here that 59 yard completion is now seventh in the league for uh longest completed air yards pass in the nfl this year so that really was you know quite the throw and one other thing before we bring kellen on here too i'll, I'll actually we'll bring kellen on right now because i'll ask you guys this sort of trivia kellen garenstein back on the show after quite a while kellen how we doing my man good to see you again I'm good, bro. Good to see you, too. Go ahead. Get on with what you were saying. So if you guys had to guess where Justin Fields ranks among NFL quarterbacks in total touchdowns in the NFL this year, so not just passing touchdowns, but obviously rushing touchdowns included, total touchdowns in the NFL among all quarterbacks, where does Justin Fields rank? What is your guess? I mean, it's got to be, like, top five, right? <laughs> see, here, here's seven. the problem. I guess I see Ke like Kevin's got to block me or something when he puts these tweets out because I see them ahead of time and then it kind of ruins the game. Did um, you see this one though? I didn't. I saw the one where you're comparing like him to Joe Burrow <laughs> and like I saw the list one. Um, I'm I'm gonna say four, seven. Kellen was yeah. right on the dot. Seven. That was That's impressive. impressive. 
Good job, that was really man. Impressive. Wow, welcome back. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Seventh, man, 21 total touchdowns. Like, he he's, man, like, this. he's a guy, man. He's a guy. We, we yeah. knew that, but, you know, we, we, we've talked. I mean, it's been so, touchdowns have been so, like, I don't want people to forget how hard touchdowns have been to come by as a Chicago Bears fan. Yep. Like, we were, we could score 17 points a game, and now our quarterback is seven, tied for seventh in the league in total touchdowns. Like, it's unbelievable. But, yes, Justin Fields. Uh, Kellen, you watched the game too, right? What did you think of Justin Fields as a passer last week? Yeah, he was great. He was great. Uh, I implore, if everyone watching this hasn't already, if you think I'm good, and I'm sure there's one or two of you out there at, at breaking quarterbacks down, um, if you think I'm good, you should subscribe to, to the quarterback mm-hmm. school Patreon because um, J.T. O'Sullivan does like Justin Fields, and he and even in that, he, I think he remains very objective. And we'll have, you know, breakdowns where he will talk about Justin Fields' game and he'll break down every play. I implore every Bears fan to go uh, subscribe to that. It's like five bucks a month. But um, I'm only, like, so far, not not uh, like maybe ten minutes into an hour and a half of it. And uh, he's just so good. And there's the thing about it is, is like, there's so much room mm-hmm. still to improve, like little things, right? Like that first, the first overthrow he had to commit on the crosser, right? Like JT talked about, like, it just looked like if he adds a – he said if he adds a hitch in this footwork here, there's more time to where he doesn't feel like he has to float the ball over Quay Walker, right? right? And that's why the, the pass kind of sailed because um, he's trying to throw over a linebacker. And if he waits a little bit longer, the, the safety, who I, I don't know who it was, he might be able to make the play. It might have been Adrian Amos. might have been Rachel Douglas. I don't know who it was. But um, 20 of 25 is very, very good considering one of those – Obviously, we know the two interceptions. One of them, I don't know if you guys have talked about it or if we'll talk about it later, but just mm-hmm. an awful route. Um, 100% on EQ same. Which, second one which really, I mean, the way that Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus threw Equinomia St. Brown they under, they, they <laughs> didn't just throw him under the bus after the game. They <laughs> drove the bus over him, looked back, said, hold on, reversed it over him, then drove over him again. Like, that was – the. I After didn't see the that. game, did, they both they were like, yeah, that's just got to be a better route. Like, that was, you know, he's got to bat that ball down. Like, they completely just, like, they didn't run the yeah. bus. They buried him yeah. underneath the bus and then drove it. <laughs> they, they strapped no, him I, into the I, bus and I, then I drove the bus over a cliff. Like, that's, that's what happens. They're right, though. I mean, uh, on that type of route, like, if that, if that throw ends up being an interception, it's 100% mm-hmm. on the receiver. You've got to keep coming back. Unless that ball is picked off because it's high and off his hands, right? Like, then it's on the quarterback on a bad throw. But that's – I mean, you just have to run that route better, and you have to keep coming back to the ball. Like, you can't stop out of your break. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think um, that might have been his best game as, a, as an operator of the offense in his entire career. Like, a, a, as a maestro, as a quarterback, like, mm-hmm. not as a passer alone. And maybe you can make that argument as a passer alone. Right, like the the Miami game obviously was better as a runner, but just as far as managing the game, making completions when they need to be had, keep staying out of trouble, you know, converting third downs, like that was this was by far his best performance in those aspects, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean that that was the first thing I said, you know, when we came on. I said this was like this was his best game of the year as a passer for sure, maybe of his career. Honestly, and it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, Kellen, right before you came on, I don't know if you caught this part, but we were saying like, and I said, I mean, more me heads to this and Kevin was about to give his opinion on this, but it just, the times that we saw him 
where in the past couple of weeks we would have seen Justin Fields run for a short gain or you know kind of take these hits and instead he stood and he threw the ball and like the float to Cole Komet was usually something that he would just run for and try to get a couple of yards and salvage the play and salvage a positive gain but he waited and he stayed behind the line and he found a big chunk play instead to his guy so that to me just speaks more to his development and the guy that we are going to see mm-hmm. I mean not even for next year but the rest of this year and these tough matchups that are coming up yeah, did he get sacked no. at all? No, first game without a sack for Justin Fields. Nice, nice. Yeah, he kept, he, was he was kept pretty clean. He didn't have to make a lot of Superman plays to escape a lot of sacks like he had in the past, too, which is pretty um, yeah, good. I would say so. That's definitely a good thing. Um, yeah, um, and he definitely looked more confident standing in the pocket and delivering and going through. Um, I already talked about him getting to the check down a couple times. But, yeah, definitely, I, I would agree, Jake. Best, best game this season – and I would probably, I would say his career as a passer. Wow. I mean, it's almost like you can say maybe if you want to correlate it, that there was a blessing in disguise that he, you know, had the AC joint sprain because you don't know. I mean, Jake talked about, well, he scored the 55 yard touchdown, but outside of that, his rushing tendencies were different from what we've seen the past couple of weeks, right? He, he, he just, from, from a volume, from an attempt standpoint, the rushing attempts just weren't up there in comparison to the mm-hmm. games against Miami and, and Detroit and, you know, those other prolific rushing performances. And I think that could be like, you know, as a player, right, you're, you're cautious of it. You know, it hurts. You know, there's no real risk of re-injury when it comes to that injury, but it hurts. You don't, you know, you, you don't want to, you know, feel that pain again. So maybe he was a little bit more, you know, eager to stay in the pocket. Um, when he knew it was clean. And, and like you mentioned, when you talked about that play to Cole Komet, not, you know, rush out of it because he knows, uh, you know, in a, in a situation like that, there's a good chance he'll get hit unless he slides early and well enough. Um, but even then, even when he does sliding slide, we know uh, the tendencies for defenders to just try and take his head off every time he slides and, and still receive no penalty, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, it, you know, it, like maybe it was a blessing in disguise that, hey, you know, I don't want to run. I'm going to stay in the pocket, and, and good things come from that. I mean, like you said, that that pass play to Cole Komet is going to be, you know, far more yards than he would have gotten probably on a run. I mean, we know his ability to make magic on with his legs, and you know, you never know when he could break it free. But it, it's it's something to think about. It's just something to think about because that's also something that you could see for the rest of the year, right? He knows the city, like the Bears have been eliminated from playoff contention. He's not stupid. He knows where they stand. And I'm not saying he's going to try to throw the games away or anything. But it, it, does he believe in himself that it's worth? risking his body for the next four games that they have to play no you know he knows that you know I mean, he's gonna go try and win every game but you know inside of the game each play to play like would he rather go get an eight yard rush and take a hit and take a blow to the shoulder or sit in the pocket and try to you know hit commit on a you know 15 you know what i mean like everyone is aware i think on that team right now probably maybe even luke getsy of where they're at what's at stake for them because that play calling sure seemed like Ooh. Luke Getzey was Ooh. in on some sort of something as far as, you know, you talked, Jake, what'd you say? You said last week, you know, the whole bat phone, the bat phone analogy you made about, yeah. you know, the bat phone going off and Ryan pulls off about George McCaskey. Um, but that was a different scenario. You, you were saying that because you thought that would be uh, George McCaskey wanting fields to play so you could beat the Packers. Um, and you, I don't know if you're, you know, that you could have been right about that. But boy, oh boy, did it seem like Ryan Poles had a big ass phone. And it's saying, Luke, take the ball out of Justin Fields' hands because we're staying at number two. We're staying at number two in the draft. And <laughs> did. did. I mean, the three like straight that. running it plays at the end like of the game. <laughs> like that's. And I mean, that's really. It's like the Falcons game. Like you took the ball, and that at that time it might have been because Justin was hurt in the Falcons game, and you wanted to protect that injury. But I mean, three straight running plays, and even Justin Fields himself said, like, "Well, yeah, maybe we need to execute that a little better." But also, like. 
basically saying like, why am I not throwing the ball on my best passing day? You know, so I think there might be a little, I mean, of course they'll never say this and they'll say we're out there to compete and win games. But, and we talked about a little bit about this last week, Kevin, like they're always going to say, yeah, we're here to win games. We're not throwing, but like the play calling on Sunday seemed like otherwise for sure. Suspect. Yeah, it definitely did. Very suspect. I mean, I like, and it's frustrating because I'll tell you this, right. You know, we can all be honest and objective. Like we, we know, like, am I, upset that the bears lost that game like yeah but i'm also like hey you know staying at number two let's go right <laughs> you know we are but the moment i was just saying Kevin, dude you, i am it, this is how far you've been good. out bro usually you get dude. depressed after every and I, I, bears loss i was a little depressed so that's it gross. Is gross. <laughs> for you I was a little oh, depressed. Okay. I mean, I think everyone was probably a little bit, maybe not depressed, but pissed off that Rodgers did the whole salute thing. And, you know, all that really got on my nerves again. But in hindsight, you know, and thinking about the future with a broader outlook, like probably better for the team that they lost that game. But I, what I was going to say is like the moment I turned, so I was watching with my dad. And the moment that game started, my dad's energy and his hatred and the sheer fire that was ignited under his ass when he saw Aaron Rodgers on walk on that field, maybe just say, fuck it. Like I want the bears to win this game because that guy has been around for so long, my dad, and he fucking hates the Packers. And that's what a majority of the fan base does. They hate the Packers. And for that three hours, I was like, fuck draft position. I want to beat this shit out of this team. And I thought we had it. I honestly did. Like they controlled that game. And then again, they controlled that game a little bit too much to, to Ryan Poe's like. And I think in, in a way they, 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 they did it to themselves. Like, I wouldn't even say the Green Bay Packers, you know, fully beat you. I mean, they beat, like, they're the more talented team, but you had all opportunities to win that game if you wanted to. They did it. So, Right, and, and that's the thing. I think, it, and that's kind of my point, where Justin Fields has evolved now to the point where he's, and Matthew Flew said this today. He said, I believe that Justin Fields is the type of quarterback that can raise the play of the players around him. Now, there's players around him are so piss poor from a talent spectrum where you can only raise it so much. But Justin Fields has evolved to this point where, you know, four weeks into the season, me specifically, I won't speak for you guys, but I'm saying he might not be on the team next year. Like he might not be, he's not a lock for the team next year. And now here we are, he's evolved to the point where he's, uh, he's playing so well that now he's putting you in jeopardy of, getting the number two pick, and now you have to play call despite him because he might just win you the game. Like, he might just go out there and play really well and win even though your season is lost and you're trying to get Will Anderson or Jalen Carter or whoever it might be, and now you're like, shit, 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 shit. He is too good because now he's jumped so far up where now, crap, we might have to do a little bit of self-correction here. And, yeah, you know what? Let's uh, let's keep dialing past his deck when Omiya St. Brown. He'll fuck it up at some point for us. Ha, <laughs> ha, I don't think a second-year QB that I can remember has done more with less. And I know Lamar won an MVP, so that's kind of saying a lot. And But Lamar had a great defense. He had a great offensive line. And while he didn't have great receivers, he had a good guy, Mark Andrews. He had a good running game. Obviously, Greg Roman had been there, and, you know, John Harbaugh is who he is. But, like, come on, we're throwing passes to Equinemius St. Brown as a primary target on half our But, like, no quarterback – statistically it hasn't it's not like we've won a lot of games statistically and getting the offense up and down the field has done more with less and and i think that that's that's such the exciting part right is like well when do we get to f- pull the ferrari <laughs> out of the garage right like when do we actually get to let him see him work you know and getting a you know getting a getting a, a track race right with with all these guys around him so 
it's exciting to see. Um, Phelous Jones, it's still frustrating, like, week after week. Like, he's just, you know, we go back to that pick, and we tried to hype <laughs> it up, and it just kind of is what we thought it was. Uh, you know, fuck, maybe we'll see him at running back more, and they're going to try and get him the ball. But, uh, yeah, man, even with Claypool still on the team, it's still doing more with less than almost everyone has done. I mean, and, that, and that's the thing, though. I mean, Claypool disappears again. It, it disappears right. again. I mean, he had, what, four catches, but for not a lot of yards. It's It continues to be frustrating because, you know, he's had his best game with Trevor Simeon. And, you know, Kevin, you kind of made the point last week that, well, maybe it's just that Justin Fields isn't on that level with him yet. That is a huge indictment of Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and the coaching, if that's the case. If they got this guy for a second-round pick, which, you know, is going to be – an early second and, round. Yeah, which is going to be near the top of the second round now. And, you know, maybe the Lamar Jackson injury helps you with having the Ravens pick, so it stings a little bit less. But regardless, giving up that second round pick for that guy who you can't even, like, you're getting him the ball, but it's not in situations that really make sense. It's these screens and these short routes. It's the complete opposite of what you thought he was going to do. And he has his best game with Trevor Simeon. And four or five games with Justin Fields now, and he's still just, it's a disappearing act. And it makes no sense, and it's completely just blowing my mind week in and week out. Yeah, it is. I don't have the answer for it. I really don't. I mean, we know, like, I had to go back and watch all 22 and really see what they're trying to get him involved with down the field because you're right. The, the times when we see him get targeted, it's on the screens, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, he's a fast player, but is he the guy yeah. that, you'd be targeting on the screens every play. And most of the time they just get blown up. It's like defense knows they're coming. Um, and then I don't like, I don't know what they're doing with him down the field. Like I, I, I don't like, and we know Chase Claypool is not an elite route runner. We know that, but we know, we know the strengths of Chase Claypool and that's, you know, go up and get the ball, utilize him in the red zone. And that that's really when he was, when we traded for him, I was like, well, he's going to give you a boost in that area. You get into the red zone, a place where you previously had a lot of issues in the beginning of the year. Obviously they've remedied those issues because of the legs of Justin Fields. And they've been one of the better red zone teams, uh, you know, the past six weeks or so, but that's where I thought the value would come in for Chase Claypool. Hey, you need boost in the red zone. You need a guy who's going to draw a little bit of attention and a guy who can give you a chance on a one-on-one ball. Give it to him. And I think maybe they are sort of figuring out how they want to use him and where he really fits in this offense. Again, we made the, you know, the point earlier in the year that maybe it was always supposed to take this long for Luke Etsy and for the offense to come together. We shouldn't have expected it to come together weeks one through three. And it ended up coming together, you know, week six, seven, and, and, and what it's been since. And maybe the same kind of goes for Chase Claypool. Get him in here. Just get him reps. Understand where he fits in this offense. And maybe the role does change when you do get a different wide receiver, whether it's in the draft or in free agency next year, when you get Mooney healthy under another, another year, another year rather under his belt, maybe you start to see, Chase Claypool really find his fit in this offense, but I do think it's kind of hard when he's expected to be the only guy right now and to be, you know, your primary playmaker. But given who he is, like I, we, we determined, right. That he's not going to be your wide receiver one next year. Like odds are, and the smart thing to do would be to find a way to get a guy in the draft or, because, you know, it throws a wrench in everything that they could get Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, you know, if you don't trade down and try to get another pick in that first round. But, you know, we would like it to be that Chase Claypool is your wide receiver two and you get a younger guy who's your wide receiver one. So he was never supposed to be, at least in our eyes, the number one option in this offense. And maybe he's being thrust into the role into a role that they didn't anticipate him being in. I'm not sure. But 
I would like to see. I think. I. I think. I mean, the they, primary I think point they did anticipate him. They did anticipate this role for him. That's what. That was the whole point of getting him, so that Justin but, Fields could have that extra playmaker. But if we know that the outlook for Ryan Poles has always been beyond, beyond 2022, then I don't think they were even expecting to say to make this trade and say, "Hey, do things for us to end 2022." I don't think they care about that. I think this was a move now that now that I see what Ryan Pulse has done and see how they use them of, hey, we know that you're going to be our guy for 2023 and maybe 2024. We'll see, you know, what kind of extension or whatever you may get. Um, let's just focus on those years. We know that that's the future for you. We're not going to try and make you something you're not in the end of 2022 because we don't care. They don't care. They don't care about 2022. If they really maybe if they really cared about winning, maybe if they're in a different position, you might see an elevated role and more volume for Chase Claypool. But if the outlook is all beyond 2022, then I think that has to apply to Chase Claypool and his utilization in this offense as well. That's my only point. Kellen, you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I, I just think that they're struggling to find footing with him and kind of find his fit in such a you know, him and Mooney together were – it's not a lackluster set of weapons, and obviously with Komet coming on and the running backs they got, but it's still just so every, – everything is so new to everyone. Don Burr's back. Don Burr. can, can, all right, all right, we're going to um, do this. It is very, very interesting that certain people show back up in the comments after being radio silent for multiple weeks i just want to put i just want to i just want to say that That's, <laughs> it's very very interesting how one certain team starts playing really well didn't hear a peep didn't hear a peep for the first eight weeks no not even this is the first time in a long time for this is the first time like in, since off season i think yes it's very very interesting how that happens so interesting how that happens all right you hung 40 on the jaguars congratulations they're probably the worst run franchise in all sports arguably anyway yeah. Um, no, I, I just, I don't agree with the Chase Claypool. Oh, well, you didn't anticipate this role for him and maybe he's not ready for that. This is what, like, this was the whole part of getting him. Like you were, I mean, it, and again, that's an indictment on polls. If, if the guy can't handle this type of spotlight and this kind of workload and being put into well, this role, then that's on polls. And that makes me worried for this off season, because if you can't uh, properly evaluate mm. a receiver from Pittsburgh and give a second round pick for a guy who's not going to be worth that. This is a very important offseason, and and granted, the draft and what has happened so far gives me more confidence than not in Ryan Poles, but it's still a huge miss. It's still a huge miss. Is it? It's too early if, to declare it, that, though. right? If it ends up like that, now this is we are prisoners of the moment and recency bias and how it's gone so far. That kind of put you know, that hamstrings us a little bit. But I'm just saying, overall, it's not a great look. I just think part of it is like. We don't like think about what he's done when given opportunities, right? When he's been targeted, he hasn't been bad. He isn't dropping passes. He isn't making mistakes. He isn't fumbling the football. You know what I mean? Like when he's getting targeted, he's, you know, making the play that he needs to make. You know, it's not his fault that he's supposed to run a, a you know, a four yard dig and is only getting four yards, right? You know, in, in certain situations. So that's why I'm, I, I just read this. Comment from Don Sorry, just completely distracted me. The Lions fan, I just can't. I can't with the Lions fans. I can't. But it's why I, I don't know if I'm ready to put it on Chase Claypool for the lack of production, right? I don't, I'm not ready to just say, 
hey, well, you know, Chase is at fault here. Obviously, the snap count isn't as been as high as it was uh, in in Pittsburgh, right? He, he's not getting as many targets as he's gotten in Pittsburgh. He's not getting as many chances, whether it's on Justin, whether it's on his role in the offense. So I don't, I wouldn't be ready to say it's on Claypool himself. You can make the argument that Poles and you know the coaching staff didn't do it right as far as how. Poles had a vision for how he'd be in the offense and how Luke Getzey would adopt that. There's there's a conversation to be had there, but I think it's too early in this offense to say, well, you know, Chase just isn't a good football player anymore. Like he was sure. he was not evaluated correctly based off of what he accomplished in Pittsburgh. I don't I don't think that's fair given his lack of opportunity. I think that's the only thing. And I just think, you know, we've already seen you know, the difference in this offense from week one to what it is now week 13, imagine what the difference could be from week 13 this year to week two or three next year. Once you have a, a ton of different pieces, once you maybe even are able to adopt a different identity on offense, because it's not like, and I'll ask you this question, Kellen, is it possible that, and I think we've determined that it is in most cases, that your offensive identity changes given the personnel that you have, right? Because you have a vision. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So 100%. is there a chance that we could see a relatively different offense if you have a shirt up offensive line and you have more weapons next year? Yes. I, I think um I think you get a guy like Jordan Addison or Josh Downs or JSN, any one of those guys, especially now that, that mm-hmm. Booty is is um mm-hmm. going back to school. Um I think you're gonna see a lot more motion and I know Getsy in Getsy and like and the Lafleur's offense looks a little bit different than like Shanahan and McVay's does. Like I feel like when we talk about those three, as far as them being like that West Coast um, Bill Walsh system, and they all come from the same family, right? They all learn from Mike Shanahan. I feel like we can group McVay and Shanahan a little bit closer than we group like Lafleur and obviously Nathaniel Hackett with the woes that he's cool. having and the way Lou Getsy calls offense here. Now, obviously. That could change, like 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 we said, based on the personnel that's coming. But um, I think we'll see a lot more motion with a with a high level guy next year if we get that. You know, granted, doesn't you know don't know who we're getting, whether it's Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, or we get a tackle in that top that top pick. Um, but I think that's like the we're just not fast enough right now. Like our offense isn't fast enough to compete. And, and score a lot in the, at the NFL level right now. And, and like when you go and watch JT O'Sullivan's, you know, videos, he'll, he'll call Cole Komet like an eligible tackle <laughs> or something like that. Cause Cole Komet is just not that fast. It's funny, but it's a Cole Komet's credit. He has been playing a lot better, but we're just not fast enough right now. And, and Chase Claypool, like I remember when we were looking at the next gen stats, like he was on like top 10 ball carriers, our top 10 fastest ball carriers. I can't remember when that was. Um, and we all know about Mooney speed especially with him off the field right now. But, you know, I don't know what's going on with Demo, but Herbert's a, Herbert's a good-looking back. You just need like that. You need a guy that that is Velas fast or, or Byron Pringle explosive but is just reliable yeah. in passing. They don't have that guy right now. And you can just tell. I right? mean, you can just see it all and over And not to cut field. you off, Kellen, but you need your A.J. Brown. Look what A.J. Brown has done. Like, that's the comp, right? A.J. Yeah. Brown and Jalen Hurts are the comp for Jalen for Justin Fields and – insert question mark here right like that's that's what you're going for mm-hmm. like week week and, and of course like devonta smith's emergence has obviously helped that too and you hope that that can happen to like either mooney and or claypool Correct. but aj brown is the comp like that's i mean that's why we're all so high on jackson smith and jigba because of that history there like you need your jamar chase you need your aj brown like that appears to be the missing piece because jalen hurts went from 
really, really good quarterback or solidly above average quarterback last year to holy shit, this guy's going to win the MVP probably. Like that, and that's in thanks in large part to AJ Brown. And of course, Nick Sirianni might win coach of the year. He's really good as well. But like that, go I have it. a question. I don't think this will happen because I don't think the Bengals. Yeah, T Higgins. But no, 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 no. No, I'm talking about Jamar in a couple of years. No shot. So let's zero percent. Wait, oh, what's oh, the oh, question? What's the question? I, no, I, I, I don't, I don't disagree, Jake. The Bengals do not have a lot of money. They are in a very messed up situation. They're going to have to let some of their good players go. They have not paid Joe Burrow. They have not paid T Higgins, and they're going to have to pay Jamar Chase. Obviously. Burrow's going to get paid this offseason. It's going to be huge. T. Higgins is going to want to get paid this offseason. Let's say they do. Let's say let's say they say, like, we're going to give him his money. And they're going to say, Jamar, like, we just can't, we just we don't have it. Like, we can't clear the cap enough for you. Like, the best we can do is $20 million. And Jamar's like, well, <laughs> Justin Jefferson got 32 so I want 35 And the Bears say, Okay, since he will throw you two, say, and this is in the case that the Bears don't get a, a receiver with their 2023 first round pick. So this is after 2023 is over, right? Assuming the Bears didn't do not win a Super Bowl, off season 2024, the Bears say we'll send you two first round picks, our 24 and our 25 first round pick, and Justin Fields is still in this rookie contract for one more year. Do yes. you do it? So you. And, and assuming that you re, have re-signed Mooney and Claypool. And you're saying that would be backs. next offseason, not this coming offseason. Right. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, I don't I don't think it'll happen. I think the well, Bengals have to keep Jamar Chase. It will be one of them, though. Right. I mean, they, they can't, I think they that can't scenario, pay everyone. The salary cap does have its, its – it does I think you risk bit. alienating Joe Burrow if you choose T. Higgins over Jamar Chase. And I don't think they'll ever make that mistake. Sure. I think T. Higgins is the more likely, and I think his price would be cheaper, not because he's not as talented. I mean, you can make the argument he's just as talented as Jamar Chase. It's just he the production isn't there from a pure number standpoint because he's behind Jamar Chase. Like he's not getting these three hundred yard yard receiving games, um, you know, these gaudy numbers that Jamar Chase puts up. So I I thought for sure you were. I don't think because I don't think that situation will ever even arise when it comes to Jamar Chase. Now, if you're talking about T Higgins, if that happens, let's say this off season, even, you know, let's say, you know, you go, you're going into the draft armed with the number two pick and possibly more, you know, depending if you trade down with the lions or Philly or whoever has two first round picks. So what's the price you would pay Jake for, for Ooh, T Higgins? For T Higgins. You wouldn't give up the number two right, right, right. pick. So let's say that, since he tells you, okay, we want your 2024 first round pick. That's it. Just 2024. Oh, you do that in a heartbeat. If, yeah. if it's just the one first round pick for T, you do that immediately. You like you. All right. So what's too much? Because I agree. I, I I would I would take that too. Two, I guess that's not two not first round picks would be pushing it. Not not the number two. So like your 24 and 25 is probably pushing it. I mean, I would say like, let's say. Let's say they want your 24 first and a third in 23 and a fifth in 23. Yeah. I think you do it. I think you do it. You do it? A fifth, a, a, so a 20, your 2024 first, which ideally in the scenario, then T. Higgins takes you to that you know upper echelon of playoff contenders, which would be a low pick any, anyway, and then two picks from this upcoming draft. In which you already have a, a couple extra mid-round picks. Yeah, I mean, I think you do that. Yeah, you do it. 
you you 100% do it. You have to. I mean, you have to. And you're actually raising a really good point here. So we talked, we, we all saw what happened last year, right? With, you know, AJ Brown got traded from the 2019 draft class. And who, who I'm blanking on who else got traded. Wasn't there another big name that got traded? Or am I, or, well, Tyreek Tyree Hill, Hill, but he wasn't from that class. Name, I'm talking yeah, about the class that, that was that class, due for yeah. the extension last year. Um, I, yeah. I, I think it, I think oh, it might have been the other way around where most teams actually signed with their original team. But DK and Debo. DK Correct. and Terry yeah. and Debo. Yes. To, go, to go back to the A.J. Brown thing. Or the Jamar Chase the, thing? The, well, yeah, to tie it all back. A.J. Brown okay. only went for the 18th overall and 101 overall pick. Right. I don't think T. Higgins is as worthwhile. Like, A.J. Oh, Brown is no. probably better. So it might not even be that. Like, it might be like. Yeah, and the and the but the Cardinals think about how much the Cardinals gave up for Hollywood Brown. Right. I mean, and like Hollywood Brown is valuable to Kyler, but like I right. And I think it. I think it's situations are situational too. Like the the Cardinals were desperate. They're like shit. We're not going to have you know DeAndre Hopkins for the first you know whatever it was six weeks or whatever seven weeks, and we got to you know because I mean look what happened. It all cratered. Cliff's going to get fired. Kyler, like, he signed this big extension. Now they're like, crap, we might be stuck with this guy who who's like, maybe not be very good in the second half of the season because he's playing Call of Duty. Like, oh, God. It's, it, yeah, I mean, it, it might be situational because the Eagles, too, were in a position where it's like, all right, if this doesn't work out, like, you know, let's say we don't want to meet the price. We still have Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard and a, a running game and offensive line that we like still. So, yeah, it might be situational uh, in that case. But, it's a good question, and it's pro- it's probably going to be something that comes up. One, I mean, once March, April It'll roll around, up. we're probably going to revisit this. And I'll revisit. I'll tell you why. So let's play this game now, okay? So again, I talked about last year. Like I think what I was referencing last year was so many wide receivers were rumored to be traded. Right? DK Metcalf was you know holding out or something. You know, we know AJ Brown got traded. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the rumors about Debo. Debo yeah, that was, was a big, big one. one. I, I know there were a couple people who thought Debo to the Bears was going to be a thing, but that's what happens with any with any player. Bears, 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 Bears. If they're a free agent or a trade prospect, everyone thinks somehow the Bears are in play, um, and they might be now. Yeah. They might be now because <laughs> the amount of draft picks they have and the amount of salary cap they have. But again, a lot of those situations um were you know with those wide receivers that were due for the contract extension so now let's play the game this year right which wide receivers from the 2020 draft class who are due for a contract extension this year might be a potential trade target for the chicago bears that won't cost you a first round pick let's go through these names okay uh let me pull it up so justin jefferson i would imagine the Minnesota Vikings are going to sign him to the most <laughs> yeah this is an insane proposition to even alone. float let, so let's rule that one out. Now, this is where things get interesting. Uh, let's, let's, the people who are probably safe are Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb. I don't think CeeDee Lamb is going anywhere. No, it's yeah. interesting because that offense does have so many playmakers, and they do – I had to look at their cap situation. Like, they're spending a lot of money on that offense, and mm-hmm. I, I don't they're, think they're they get rid of – They're going to have to let Tony Pollard walk. Yes, and he should be a Chicago Bear. But – if they sign OBJ or something, I don't know. I mean, it's not out of the question that CeeDee Lamb, that they, I don't know, right? It, again, you, you, it, it's the problem that you're making for Jamar we, Chase. We could say unlikely. Uh, we could say unlikely because I feel like in most situations, it's either the person is not content, the, the player is not content with where they're at given the QB situation or given the team situation. And for that reason, they request a trade or the team just financially can't afford it. And that's Kellen's point for Jamar Chase is they financially, like, you think Jamar Chase wants to be in Cincinnati? Yeah, he'd love to play with Joe Burrow and his former college quarterback. But if they're in a financially tied-up situation, 
right? That's the scenario, Kellen, that you see him, you know, potentially not being able to stay there. I don't think Jamar Chase is going to take like a ten to twelve million dollar pay cut right. to stay there. Like, and if he does, if, like, he, good for if him. he does, it's because Joe Burrow's handed him stacks after games. Yeah, got probably. a part of his contract. Yeah. No, yeah, for real, that's what it is. But like, it's not like they have to like the money matters. Like, you got to pay someone somewhere. I don't know how the Saints do it. Or these teams that are over the cap, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that. I'm not a cap expert, but I know that that shit comes around. I mean, the Bears are dealing with it right now. Uh, the Bengals got to figure that shit out. Yeah. And, yeah. It, Right. But we're in a good position in the offseason, though, which is the, the great thing about it. But I see, So the, right, for, the, for the sake of the point, we'll consider CeeDee Lamb and Justin Jefferson safe as far as the ones who are probably most likely going to get the extension this offseason. So now you go to the players that I believe are, are, are trade candidates, right? We'll start with a guy who is already on the trade block before the trade deadline, Jerry Judy. Okay? Judy? That's a guy who should not cost a first-round pick at all. Would you be willing to trade some sort of something for Jerry Judy this offseason? Is he a name that would interest you? Like, it's too hard to play the value I mean, game for him, but is that a name that would interest you? No. I don't think, to be honest, Colin, I'm no. with you. I'm out on Jerry. I'm not out on him, but I don't think I'm enticed by that. I mean, I, I'm not going yeah. to fault anyone for being stuck with Russell Wilson or the ghost of Russell Wilson <laughs> right now. Like, I, I'm not going to fault anybody for that. I would be intrigued, depending on the price. I'm not giving up a first rounder. I'm not even probably getting a second rounder. But you come around with a third fourth, fifth, then I can maybe see where you're going with this. And 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 let me just make this clear as well. For people who think this is a stupid game to play, it's not. Because if the Bears are thrust into a situation where they have a top five pick, we already know in that scenario the odds are extremely likely that they're taking a defensive player. That they're taking either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. If they get a top five pick, one of those players will be available for them. Someone could trade up for one of those guys too. And depending on the package, you might have to like you might have to take one a a, a trade for a non quarterback. You know what I mean? And I don't know Correct. how like you or Jake feel about that. That's but fair. Jalen Carter, like we we do throw the term generational around a lot, but Jalen Carter and Will Anderson are the definition of blue chip. They are blue chip. They have traits that just you just don't see all the time, right? They come around every once every few years. Both of those guys are like that, and especially now with the way interior pressure impacts the game, with guys that can run around like Justin Fields and the way that you know just gap schemes and offensive linemen are now guys are teams are going to want to trade up for those for those guys and, and then you look at a team like say what i believe the eagles have two first round picks this year they whose pick do they own they own uh, someone's I, pick no they, they they i forget whose pick they own but i believe they i, I thought they own someone else oh new orleans the, they own new orleans's pick at six so maybe you're right for the Chris Chris Olave, Olave, uh, maybe yeah. so maybe you see yeah i think you're right maybe you see the Philadelphia Eagles, who, like, say they don't win the Super Bowl this year. Like, hey, we're an edge rusher away or something like that, right? Because th- their edge rushers are, they're all right. You know, you know. Which they're exactly. James for one, by the way. <laughs> exactly. Who, a, a guy who's virtually played, like, nothing since he's, he's been he's traded. He's done nothing. I think he, he made a play. Uh, okay, in their Prior to that, he didn't have any sex. Yeah, he hasn't done anything. Why? Why? Sure he tackle. But that's a team where... Yeah, if you're at two and they're at six, or if New Orleans wins tonight, um, you know, they're a little bit further, you know, down. Totally, Philadelphia could trade up for you to get a Jalen Carter or a, uh, a Will Anderson. Could you imagine the tandem of Will Anderson and who's the guy that they got last year? I'm, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan, his last name, Jordan Davis. Davis. Yeah, right. Like, that's a possibility. Anyway, um, going so Jerry Judy doesn't really touch, but that's a name. So I'll just uh, list out the names for the sake of time here. Brandon Ayuk, 
That's a guy I'd trade for. I like Brandon Ayuk. I wouldn't trade mm-hmm. a first round for him, mm-hmm. but that's, that's a guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Pittman. You think about the Colt situation. They're not in a position to say, hey, we just drafted Alec Pierce. We're probably in the beginning of this rebuild. Sure, it'd be nice to give our brand new rookie quarterback a weapon, but are we willing to give you the money that you're asking for? Hell no. I don't think Michael Pittman is also going to sit there and say, hey, yeah, I just kind of want to sit through this whole rebuild and the mess that you've created with the whole coaching situation with Jeff Saturday and all that. Like, he may not want to sit through that. He's a name that could all that will be rumored around. Uh, Jalen Rager, obviously not. Henry Ruggs is not in the league. So those are really kind of, you know, T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman. I think you could get good value for a guy like I Denzel saw that too. too. I think Denzel Mims could cost you I, something cheap. Uh, but I don't know. I don't think Poles would do it because they gave up something cheap for right. Harry, who's probably not going to get another contract. And they've already traded for Claypool. And we know Poles wants to build through the draft. But I think that that could be a, a value talk. Right. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Again, so just to end this whole thing. I would implore Bears fans to look out for those names because if the Bears are stuck in this situation where, you know, and it's a good it's a good problem to have, where you're able to take Will Anderson or, or a, a Jalen Carter and you're not able to find your wide receiver one, then you're going to – you need to find that guy. Like, you need to find that guy this year. You cannot wait. Like, you can afford to get a guy and still get Marvin Harrison next year. Like, if somehow, cool. you know, you're bad enough again or you trade and somehow get another first-round pick, right? But – We've like you need another guy. We you if you want to the, the Super Bowl window to be open in 2024, you have to get another guy. And if you're taking, we know the free agent class sucks. And if you're taking Jalen Carter or Will Anderson, then you're gonna have to via trade find your wide receiver one. And you know Brandon Ayuk isn't that. Michael Pittman could be that. And certainly, um, I think Jerry Judy maybe could be that. And, and T Higgins definitely would be that. But you know, it's just something to keep your eye out on for. Um, I have a question for you guys now. Okay. So we know the Bears, we talked about the tanking thing, right? And, and, and how it was evident that the Bears were out to do that. What are your thoughts on if the NFL were ever to add some sort of lottery or any provisions mm. to prevent tanking? Because it's talked about a lot now. The NBA's done it, and the lottery is an interesting situation. And I honestly think the incentive to tank in the NFL is greater than the incentive to take in the NBA. Do you think that's something you actually ever will see happen? No, probably not because in the NFL, like, I mean, this, this class is a great example of that. Like this is a deep quarterback class, like as opposed to the NBA where it's like, I need Victor Wembanyama on my team yesterday. It's, it's kind of not like that. And I mean, you can say that about it. It fluctuates year to year, but the NFL is like, I think it's also because the NFL can be changed. So like it, like, when the Texans get Bryce Young at number one, that immediately puts them way closer to an average team than a horrific one. So it's kind of like if you tank once, you kind of, I mean, look what the Bears are doing right now. Like they have to take the ball out of Justin Fields' hands at the end of games to lose games. Like, and that's how good he is. Like, and that's how good a guy like maybe Bryce Young can be. That's how good guys like Joe Burrow can be. Like, look what happened to the Bengals. Once Joe Burrow was finally healthy, they became a Super Bowl team after being terrible. Like the incentive to tank year to year in multiple years in a row isn't really there. The Jaguars have been trying to escape it for years and they just stink so bad because they're so poorly run that they just kind of end up there. But a lot of times you get the guy and then you're like, all right, now we can go. Now we can spend a lot of money and we can get back to getting touch because we have the one quarterback. We're good. Whereas the NBA, it's kind of like, 
all right, we probably need two, three superstars. So, you know, if we tank two, three years in a row, then now, now we're back to contention. It's not a, a the NFL more often than not is not a multi-year tanking job. It's usually one, maybe two. And if you're, if you're tanking multiple years in a row, it's more because it's out of your hands and you're just bad at your job of building a team. Hence Jaguars. Yeah. What do you think, Kellen? I just think that football in general, in the NFL, the fact that there's only 17 games now. Only. And guys are just, yeah, quote, unquote, only, right? But there's, you know, 17 mm. versus 82, right, is what I mean. Like, um, there's guys just aren't in the league for that long. And coaches might try and lose games, but you will never get a player that will go out right. and, like, try to sure. actively tank for this team. I just – I don't. I don't see it happening. It, I, I, I don't see it happening. Yeah. And and I don't think it would benefit the league. I don't think it would benefit an NFL team as much, and the league just and just like a team in general. I mean, like even like generational guys are gonna. And we're talking about quarterbacks now, especially because usually when you tank, you tank Always. for a quarterback, right? Like, like we're talking about Jalen Carter and Will Anderson. Like, we're not tanking. We're not taking four of those guys. We're, 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 we're already there, right? Like, we're already there, so we're like, well, shit, like, we're in a position to get them, so let's just stay here. But like, at the beginning of the season, like, the, you know, Texans probably lost two games. And they, they started off whatever they started off as, and they were like, yeah, Davis Mills isn't it. We need fucking Bryce Young. Let's tank for him. You know, like, that's that's a little different. You know, I don't that's – that's a long way to go to lose a lot of games and to put your body sure. on I, look, I because I think Jake, you 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 said it. It's better for the league because in the NBA, bad teams stay bad for a lot of years because you could just get perennially unlucky in the lottery and misses and busts in the NBA come a lot more frequently in the top ten picks in their draft than they do in the NFL. So if you're just consistently getting lucky and not getting that number one overall pick, then yeah, teams are going to stay bad. Like the Rockets are going to stay bad for a long time. Like in the NFL, the turnovers is typically for most teams, unless you're a really run, bad run organization, like pretty quick. Like again, Bengals and, and all these other teams. So I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting proposition because the reason it happened in the NBA was I think just Adam Silver got mad of it because it ruined the product on the field, right? Or on the court at the time. Like, People, people like who would want to have gone and watched, you know, teams play if they knew that they were actively trying to lose. And if Roger, like, I, I think the benefit that the NFL has is I don't like the people are going to come in anyway. Like people are going to watch the NFL anyway, whether they know you're tanking or not. Like if you were to tell me for the last four games and tell the rest of the world that the Chicago Bears were actively tanking. I would still watch the game. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still going to watch the game for a variety of different reasons. And sports betting is one of them for a majority of people. So why those buildings are so effing big in Vegas. But I don't know. Interesting proposition. It made me think of it as we saw the Bears, in my opinion, actively tank on Sunday. Right. And, and also to your point of like, you have a reason to watch. Like Justin Fields and his progression and ascension is part of that reason. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh. It's all part of, I don't think there'll be a lottery. The NFL is just such a different animal. Um, but I mean, we'll see. Um, all right. Final thoughts. Anybody on this? Uh, I mean, we have the buy, so we're going to take a little time off and we'll recoup. And, but, you know, any final thoughts on Justin Fields or what we saw on Sunday? What do you got, Kellen? You're smiling. You got something for us? 
No, I was laughing at you when you were like huffing and puffing at saying the bye. But I, I, I'll give like a, a thought or two here. I, I think that um, the offense has still got some things to figure out. You know, whether Luke Getzey was trying to tank or not, um, I still think there's a bit more things creative-wise that they could be doing to make the product a little easier. Like, I just think that sometimes things are like a, mm-hmm. a bit too hard for the Bears. And, and you know, I think one of the – so, like, there was a point where Justin was 14 of 16. One of the incompletions was the overthrow the commit. And the other one was, was like, the screen, the clay pool that was behind him, um, I think. And – like, I just don't think that play needs to be in the playbook. Like, that's a play you run for, like, Devontae Adams and prime DeAndre Hopkins or a guy like Antonio Brown. These guys who are, like, electric with the ball in their hands are just solid, solid football players. Like, I don't think you need to waste the down trying to make a long handoff to that guy, to that guy when your running game is already as good, as, good Correct. as it is. And I don't think we need to be running Wildcat. I criticize Matt Nagy for running Wildcat because you've got – a, the greatest runner in the league at quarterback right now in Justin Fields. Like, there's no reason to to take away that forced stress on the defense with putting the ball in a running back hand. I just don't get it. Um, so as a critic, there's some things that I think still need to be ironed out, which is exciting, which I think is a reason for uh, Bears fans to be excited going forward. You know, it's it's still really bad right now. Like, as good as Justin Fields is, the rest around him still isn't that great. The offensive line is improving, which I hope is a sign that Chris Morgan is a good offensive line coach because mm-hmm. that would be really big. Uh, Luke Getze obviously has grown as the season has went along. I fully believe that Matt Eberflus was a really good hire for Ryan Poles. Ryan Poles is still, you know, jury's still out on him. I think he had a good first offseason, not a great one. The Claypool, you know, trade is looking kind of eh right now. The Bayless Jones pick is looking pretty bad right now. So he's still got some things to prove. But – for the most part, I think the franchise is, is looking in a positive direction for the first time in a very long yeah, time. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. That's a good that's a good statement. Um, I'll leave you with this, and it's also sort of a question. It's something I want you guys to consider. So, Carol Santos missed another extra point yesterday, okay? And if you think about it, Bears lost that game 28-19. If he would have made that extra point, they would have had a chance to really run the offense they wanted to going down the field, knowing that they just needed a touchdown, you know, with the with the two minute drill at the end of the game. Instead of saying, hey, we got to force the ball down the field because we got to score and then we got to get an outside kick, blah, blah, blah. And that caused the Justin Fields interception. And it just made me think, like, not about that game in general, but about Cairo Santos. And he's been good, you know, overall this year. But the past couple of weeks, you know, he missed the extra point against, you know, Detroit. We know his he's sort of hamstrung as far as his distance as a kicker. He's 31. And I was on the train today going home, and I was like, who, who are the free agent kickers? Like, let's just take a look, okay? And Robbie Gold's a free agent this, up, this, this, this year, okay? He's a free agent. He's 39. A lot of kickers play until they're 42, 43 and are just as good. We know how much Robbie Gold loves this city, loves this town. With the Bears, we hope being, you know, starting to be a playoff team again in 2024. I would not rule out the possibility of Robbie Gold coming back to Chicago next year. I would not rule it out. That's all I'm saying. Am I crazy? Kellen, I'll let you go first because I just, I can't. I think I'm crazy? What is, what is, I, I would, I just, I would never think of that. Like, that's just something I would never like sit on the train and think about. But I'm happy you did, Kevin. I'm happy that you did. 
Uh, yeah, it's possible. Sure. We do know Cairo Santos has a limited leg as far as distance. And um, this is a city uh, with swirling winds. And until Arlington Heights is confirmed to be an indoor stadium, you need a kicker that if you are going to compete, which means you are going to be playing games in Chicago mm -hmm. in January when it is fucking freezing and the winds are swirling, you do need a guy because special teams are important. And you need a guy that can convert three points when you need him to. And Cairo Santos, for the most part, for the first 10, 11 weeks, is that guy. So I, I get your point, Kevin. Um, I haven't, like, sit down and watched Robbie Gold. Like, I don't know how much juice he still has in his leg. But if he's still Robbie Gold from Lovey Smith, Bears days, then, yeah, bring him back. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. This is my answer uh, to Kevin's question about the <laughs> kicking game. Be good. A resounding who cares? Come on. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. It who cares? Good teams can afford to be like, oh, what's our kicking situation gonna look like? You're a bad team. Have no. the tryouts in camp again. Bring in a oh, bring in God, 17, no. bring 17 guys in again in camp. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Good teams can worry about the kicking game. I'll worry about this in June if it even comes to that. Yeah, you want to put Cairo Santos out to pasture. Fine, I'll care in six months. It doesn't matter. Once we get to that relevant stage again, then I'll worry about the kicking game. Cairo Santos, yeah, you've been great. Yeah, are the wheels kind of falling off? Yeah, great. You suck anyway. It doesn't matter. But you won't next year, and that's the point. He, right, look, Jake so woke that's up at what 4 a.m., and I'm already ma I'm making him rile up. He's probably winding down, ready to go to bed, and here I am riling him up. He's going to be up for another two hours now. It sorry, doesn't matter. It does matter. It does matter for next year. Our whole conversation this episode has been about next year, hasn't it? Was, was I'm Cairo Santos thinking about next really, year. Like, were we, was Cairo Santos really going to be like, you're putting his poster up for next year? Like, is that really where we were at? Cairo Santos might not have even made the team next year anyway. Well, that's my point. You might so have was going to make the team, then who would have been your way? kicker? Exactly. That's so my point. Is it's I'll worry about a problem it then. that you have to address. It's not, not going to be a problem. Kicking is so great. Cairo Santos has been super consistent the last couple of years. The wheels were bound to come off at some point. We'll talk about it in camp. I do not care. I This cannot be the franchise that does not care about ah, kicking. Yo, you can yes. care. You, we have you can to care, care in six months. I'll have this conversation in no. six months. No. Yeah, but yeah, what fun is on. that? Let's have it before Hogan. Jake, we're three and shit. ten. What else the fuck do we have to talk about? Okay, we're it's kicker season. It's we just did fifty-seven minutes on the quarterback and the wide yeah, receivers, well, and we're gonna keep doing fifty-seven minutes exactly. on the quarterback because that's all we've got. You really, you really want to go back? All right, if we're giving fifty-seven minutes going... to the quarterback, we can give three minutes to you, the kicker. You really right? want to go did... back to two years ago when Cairo Santos was player of the game every week? You want to do no, that again? No, I'm just saying. You, we all know what happened the one time the Bears had a chance to make to, to make us a run. Yes, what was yes, it that yes. held them back? The effing kicker. Yes, okay, yes. kickers matter too. All right. The Bears win the Super Bowl. Fuck that yeah. guy, by the way. That guy yeah, who's he's, he's fuck that, that guy. That guy, bro. I, yeah. Four years later, we're still scarred. Fine. Um, right. life. It, this is a good note to end on because we're talking about kickers of ghosts past. Um, kickers of Christmas past. All right. This has been Bears Nation Podcast. We appreciate the listeners and most of the commenters.
Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Even though, uh, you know, you come out of the woodwork at certain points and it's very cherry picking esque. But anyway, we still appreciate you taking the time because you're still here. We're in your kitchen. It's fine. This has been Bears Nation Podcast. We'll be back at some point. I don't know. It's the bye. We'll figure it out. But you'll know because you'll get the alert that we're going live. And then we'll do our silly little tweets. And it'll be fine. So this has been Bears Nation Podcast. We'll be back at some point in the near future. Everybody enjoy the bye. Enjoy the Bears not rising your blood pressure for once. Go touch grass. Do something before it gets too cold. We'll be back. Bears Nation Podcast. As always, Bear Down.